It's 2022, which marks 40 years since the release of Madonna's very first single, Everybody, in 1982. Last August, it was announced that her albums would be re-released with new versions curated by Madonna herself. What does that mean? Well, here on Inside the Groove, we're working through each of her albums one by one to tell the story of how they were recorded, written and produced, along with the iconic photography and graphic design. Rebel Heart is Madonna's 13th studio album, released in part on 20th December 2014, with the remaining tracks coming on 10th March the following year. Madonna worked with many songwriters and a heap of producers. Here's the full list. Diplo, Ariel Reichstad, Avicii, Blood Diamonds, Billboard, Jason Evigan, Shelka Garcia and Teen Wolf, Kanye West, Mike Dean, Toby Gad, Afshin, Josh Cumby, Salim Al-Fakir, Symbolic One, Magnus Lidhol, Vincent Pontar, Asma and Roswell, and Carl Falk. The end result is a mix of sounds, genres and perhaps quality, though the release is widely regarded by fans as a step back towards form with some of the singer's best remembered songs of recent years. Spearheaded by the lead single Living For Love, the album was originally intended to showcase the two sides of Madonna's personality, her rebellious one and her more emotional or heart side. However, when several tracks leaked to the internet at the end of 2014, Madonna and her team changed their plans and this included remixing many of the songs so that they would sound fresh on release. Strangely, the title track isn't included on the main release of the album, but many consider the original version, produced by the late Swedish musician Avicii, to be the superior part of the song, with many fans believing it could have been a big hit in its original form. Well, we'll never know, but we shall take the opportunity to compare and contrast the demos to the release versions of some of these songs. We'll also discuss the Mert and Marcus artwork, including the controversy Madonna created on Instagram. So, let's take the road less travelled by as we go inside the groove. So I took a road less traveled by And I barely made it out alive Through the darkness somehow I survived Tough love, I knew it from the start Deep down in the depth of my rebel Welcome back to Inside the Groove and stand by for an announcement about our next live experience coming at the end of this episode. Rebel Heart is, as you will have gathered from the list of producers, quite a fragmented release with various songs that are well known not appearing on the conventional release, instead straddling the deluxe and super deluxe edition, as was a popular way of releasing music at the time. Nowadays, artists tend to release one version and follow up some months later with a re-release including additional tracks, but Madonna and her team were trying new things. That said, I think it's a really great album and revisiting it today in preparation for this episode, I was reminded of the many great tracks on it. Classic Madonna tunes like Joan of Arc and Veni Vidi Vici. As mentioned, and as was quite apparent at the time, Madonna's plans were derailed when many of the tracks leaked early to the internet in 2014, the same year as the James Bond script leaked, royal pictures of Prince George leaked, and six unfinished episodes of Doctor Who also leaked. Sometimes things have to go wrong before people change how they operate. Indeed, the fact that so much Madonna material has leaked over the years is partly how this podcast is able to bring you demos and multi-track recordings to dissect. But on 17th December 2014, when 30 
14 songs were leaked early to the internet, joining the two that had already leaked the previous month. Madonna had no choice but to recalibrate and change direction. So before I talk about the history of how this album was recorded, let's speak to Lucy O'Brien, author of the book Like an Icon, to find out where exactly Madonna was at this time in her life. Yes, so what I like about Rebel Heart, there's one track that stands out for me. I mean, Madonna's always good at Catholicism, you know, and being a, a former Catholic girl myself, I can always relate to that as a theme. And I think that track works really well. Interestingly, it's produced by Kanye West, who always, always thinks outside the box. So that's Holy Water. Yes. Yeah, and, and she also co-wrote that with um, sort of quite an interesting songwriter, Natalie Kills, who was, two years after that, was kind of fired from uh, New Zealand X Factor. But at that point, um, you know, they, they turned up actually a really good track. And, and it was one that worked really well live as well on, on um, the Rebel Heart tour. And and I think Tony Gadd that she worked with, they, they created some, some good tracks like Illuminati. And, you know, it's interesting. He said to me, because I inter- interviewed him for the book, and he said that actually... He pushed to, for and demanded quality time with Madonna because he actually knew that was the way he would get best results. And I thought that was quite savvy of him to, to realise that, that, you know, that she needs those kind of working practices. There had been a lot of speculation in the lead-up to Rebel Heart's release that Madonna was working on new music. At first, it was heavily rumoured that she would be again working with Nile Rodgers, who had produced the Like a Virgin album. Niall had had a bit of a renaissance, really, following his collaborations with Daft Punk, and in 2013, many speculated that Madonna could be exploring a disco theme with her former producer. Well, sadly, I guess, this turned out not to be true, but clarity came from Madonna herself months later, on 7th of March 2014, when she posted a picture of herself with the caption, On my way to the studio to work with Avicii. Now, Madonna had previously worked with Avicii, real name Tom Berling, who was a Swedish DJ and producer, when she made an appearance at the Ultra Music Festival in Florida two years earlier, around the time of MDNA promotion. But by this time, Avicii was a big name in music production, with songs like Wake Me Up, Levels and Hey Brother. His style was distinctive but simple. Swedish folk teamed with house beats, often with a tinge of American country, overall producing incredibly catchy electronic dance music. Producer and writer Carl Falk, another Swede, explained that a week of sessions, along with six writers, yielded 11 demos for Madonna, recorded with acoustic guitar and piano. They split the six writers into two, and Avicii would work with both halves as they grouped together at Henson Recording Studios in Hollywood to write as many songs as they could. This practice is fairly commonplace these days, and many of today's biggest hits are written this way. Madonna would apparently arrive in the afternoon refining lyrics and tunes, and of course singing the melodies. A few days later, she posted a picture of a sunset along with the phrase Rebel Heart. But this wasn't to be the end of the writing sessions. In May, Madonna announced that she was working with Diplo on new songs. The American DJ and producer Thomas Wesley Pence, who took his stage name from the love of dinosaurs, later told how Madonna had been discussing music with him via text and that eventually they recorded seven songs together. These records are going to be crazy sounding, he said. We really pushed the envelope with some of the stuff we're doing. She was up for anything. I love when an artist gives a producer the confidence he needs to work with them. And Madonna was very open-minded to my ideas. 
Madonna would go on to work with a number of other producers, including Billboard, but the backbone of the album were the songs that were written with Avicii, although she would often work with another producer to change their sound. Probably canny, I really, really love the original Avicii version of the title track Rebel Heart, and I agree with a lot of fans that think it could have been big if it was the lead single. But it's easy to say that eight years later, because the Avicii sound at the time was everywhere, and we all know that Madonna doesn't like to jump on the bandwagon, and she'd received some criticism for recording Hard Candy in this way. So that could be the main reason it was changed. But let's listen to a portion of that original, unreleased Avicii version of Rebel Heart. So I That version is dated the 19th of May 2014 and I can't help think that could have been Madonna's big naughties hit if it was released in that form but she chose to change it and to work with some different producers on the track. Now you'd be forgiven for thinking that Vargas and Lagola are different to the people who actually wrote the original song but they are the professional names of production duo Vincent Pontar and Salem Al-Fakir. You'll also know their work if you're familiar with the recent album by Swedish singer Agnes. They produced her album Magic Still Exists, which if you're looking for some new music to listen to, I highly recommend. And Vincent is actually Agnes's husband. They took Rebel Heart and concentrated on its acoustic style, using a lot of acoustic guitars, sort of sounding reminiscent of Tracy Chapman's Fast Car. And this was the first demo that they came up with. Thought I belonged to a different tribe Walking alone, never satisfied, satisfied Tried to fit in, but it wasn't me I said, oh It still has the four to the floor beat of the Avicii version and it would change again just a short while later to this. I've spent some time as a narcissist Hearing the others say Look at you, look at you Trying to be so provocative I said oh yeah That was me All the things I did just to be that sounds pretty similar to the final released version, but Madonna presumably felt a bit cold about it later on, and despite it being the album's title track, it only ever appeared on the deluxe version of the release. Another song which was greatly reworked from the Avicii version is Devil Prey. Now, I know you guys love it when I break down the song, and that's not always possible because I need the multi-track to be able to do that. Thankfully, there is a multi-track of the demo version 
of Devil Prey. So I can do just that for you. Have a little dive into this original version of the song. Take my sins and wash them away Teach me how to pray I've been stranded here in the dark Take these walls away Weed and we can drink whiskey Yeah, we can get high and we can get stoned And we can sniff glue and we can do E And we can drop acid Forever being lost with no way home Yeah, we can run and we can hide But we won't find the answers If you go down, then you'll get help along the way But if you want to save your soul Then we can travel all together And make the devil pray So I've made it an assumption that that's the early Avicii version and then we have the billboard reworking and this is where we have a multitrack so here is where I get to strip it down a bit It starts with the guitar of course but then let's bring in the drums and a hand clap and there's the guitar again now we have a bass as well The pre-chorus has three separate pianos, I think, along with some finger clicks. Now, joining those three pianos are three acoustic guitars and some banjo as well. Let's strip down those guitars a bit. And then add another layer. And then this is the post-chorus section. And how about adding a little bit of Madonna this time? Mary, can't you help me? Cause I've gone astray. All the angels that were around me have all flown away. Let's bring back the guitars and bass. Now just Madonna, bass and banjo. Piano. Yeah, we can get high and we can get stoned 
And backing vocals courtesy of Madonna. And then we have a section that's completely missing from the final version. Oh, I love this. Let's strip it down. Now bring in the guitars and bass. Some synth strings, can you hear them? Let me isolate them. And of course, the Western guitar. What a great song. I do think it could have been a possible single if it had been kept that way, but you have to step back seven, eight years and remember that that was a very everywhere sound back then and perhaps Madonna did make the right choice after all. And it wasn't just the Avicii stuff that went through a lot of changes. The Diplo songs, they progressed as well. Listen to the original demo of Veni Vidi Vici by Diplo. It's just a sort of vibe and beats. <laughs> Later on, of course, Madonna would add her vocals and a section which included some acoustic guitar. This is a rough demo from 18th of October 2014. Here's another song that would change drastically on its final release, Wash All Over Me. It was actually a dance track at one point. Listen to this. I think that's great, but I actually prefer the final release version of that song. I think it works much better as a ballad. If you want the story of how the tracks leaked and some other changes to songs along the way, then listen to the episodes on the songs Living for Love and also Bitch I'm Madonna, which detail exactly what happened and Madonna's reaction. But one story that's not been told on the podcast so far is that of the beautiful artwork. And I'm going to speak to my colleagues now, the wonderful Jonathan Daniel Price, who's certainly got a number of fans <laughs> at our live event because his gorgeous Scottish Scottish voice is matched by his gorgeous Scottish looks. And the other hunk is the wonderful Peter Floon, art director. Right, guys, I'd like to talk to you about Rebel Heart. Um, Jonathan, coming to you first. Tell me about the photography once again with Mert and Marcus. Yes, you're right. We've got the second pairing with Mert and Marcus for Rebel Heart after a successful run with MDNA. 
As I said in the last episode, I'm going to just recap a bit about them. They're this photography duo who made them a name for themselves in fashion, especially during the 2000s. You know, they really were known for these big, high-impact, luxurious, glossy fashion editorials. And it was a reaction to 90s minimalism, if you've not listened to the previous episode. And they came from the London fashion scene, so had a bit of an edge. And they've shot a lot of big campaigns for people like Louis Vuitton and Miu Miu. And Madonna has worked with them also on campaigns for Versace, for example, which will be part of my further reading. She's now good friends with them and she's often featured on their Instagram and vice versa. And what I love about this was one of the sort of nods that she might be working with them on the Rebel Heart campaign is that in April 2014, Mert posted on his Instagram, in my room listening to the new album with Madonna, I'm dying, let me love you from the inside Mm. out, he says. Mm. And of course, we didn't know what that would lead to, but it did end up being a song that made it on the album. So this artwork is a little more thematically aligned with the music, I feel, and also quite graphic than what we got in MDNA. In a lot of the images, she looks almost in costume. For example, the images of her dressed a bit like Joan of Arc could be a complete uh, nod to the track itself. In some of the photos, she's tied up with wire. The cover image, of course, is one, but also her foot. We see a dirty hand with a dagger piercing it and her holding a bloody heart. You know, so really it's it's sort of a literal translation of some of the imagery that's taken from the music. The photos are high contrast, very sort of bright and direct and clean. And I feel like it's Madonna's beginning of her now eternal love with a front-on strobe. She continues to use this in nearly all of the photo shoots she has today. So that's that very direct front-on flash that sort of wipes out the skin, makes her very flat and contrasty. Mm-hmm. She's styled again here by longtime collaborator Ariane Phillips, who also worked on the last album. And the clothing here is probably the least important of all of the elements, though possibly even in all of the artwork we've discussed so far in all of the albums, because a lot of these photographs are crops or details, or even if it's a portrait, she doesn't have a top on. The cover was revealed in February of 2015. And I think one of the most exciting things about it was that we found out that there would be three covers, three Mm. versions of the standard deluxe and super deluxe. And my personal favorite is the super deluxe. I feel that image is so strong. Which one is that? So that's the one in red. So she's nice. got the grill in a sort of, or I'm not sure if that's what you call it, in fact, with the with the link to it and uh, looking to the side. The retouching of all these photographs is insane. It's so highly skilled that she looks really beautiful. And overall, I really like this, actually. I don't really love the standard edition. I feel like there are stronger photographs from the campaign. But she looks great in the photos and they're quite varied and there's a lot of photographs that didn't make it into the artwork, which you can easily find online and they're a delight to look at. So the standard edition is the one I think she looks quite Marilyn Monroe with the red top. Is that the one you're talking about? Yes, exactly. Peter, what can you tell us about the the overall design to the the album? It's the one that I I weep for her. Um, When Madonna doesn't get to follow through on creative, it's heartbreaking. Um the bits that I've read and have sort of understood, um, it was supposed to be two albums. And I think that's really clear in the art direction and the design. There is the rebel and there is the heart. So the black and white is the Joan of Arc and the imagery is really heraldic and hero. 
and that heart is all loving and soft, red lips, big hair, Madonna. Um, the only other person who I know has pulled this off is Miss Halliwell back in <laughs> the late nineties, uh, her, her schizophonic album, you could choose your own cover. And I think that was the intention for this. So the reason that we have so many covers is because it was supposed to be a dual album. So you were supposed to have two sides to there's the rebel side of you and the heart side of you. And I can see that someone's poured their heart into it. So, um, all of the imagery, the, the, the holding of the heart, you, you, you feel the torment and the, the, the rebelliousness of it, but then there's the beauty and the softness and all of the Marilyn that we, that we know and love about her references. So it's, it's one of the ones that after the leak happened, I, I can see that this creative, I think it was going to be a powerhouse of an album, really brave, have way more of a visual impact. And it just, it's such a shame that the leak didn't just release the music. It also halted what I think could have been much more of a box set experience and like the, the songs to me fall into two different albums. There are songs that are clearly rebellious and there are songs that are clearly romantic and soft. So to have something derailed like that, I, I do feel really sorry for it because I think it was, she, she viewed it as uh, two bodies of work and there were two visual styles for it and them all being put together in one booklet and various different covers. It just feels like the message is quite diluted. I still, I, I don't understand the wire image. Mm. I'm impressed by it. And I, I love the production value of it. I, I've, I don't get it. I don't understand what she's trying to say with it. It doesn't follow through into any other creative in the rest of the campaign. It's really arresting, but I don't, I, I, I think it's because we don't learn what the wire is or how, how she's trapped. And for that to end up for me, that's the one that I associate the most with the campaign mm, and it, it, out, out of the three, I agree with Jonathan. I, I, I love the, the red and the black one. And it, it reminds me of that image from, um, erotica where she's like got head in hands. It's got the same beautiful contrast and that same edginess. And then, I mean, if you were going to, if you, if you told somebody to do an AI version of Madonna, I think the one in the red top is what you would get from a computer that fed information of what Madonna should look like. So I, I love that one. But yeah, the, the, the wire one, I, I, I'm not, I want to understand what it is, but I feel as if she shied away from what her vision was and we never got an explanation. Well, she got into trouble with that um, on uh, sort of Instagram as well, back back in the days when that was quite a new thing for Madonna to get into trouble on Instagram, because I think she shared a lot of fan artwork around it, including specific, specifically images of Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela and Bob Marley with The Wire. And she got accusations of being disrespectful um, and racist, uh, which she then sort of, you know, talked about it the next day as, you know, being a freedom fighter, etc. So maybe that was kind of the theme behind it. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm very impressed with the retouching on that image. To be able to retouch yes. around a wire like that is yeah. very hard. When um, it's cutting into the skin. Yes. Yeah. But I do agree, though, it doesn't align with the story behind the album, or at least I, I didn't see the direct. So line. when we get to the singles, I, I find it really hard to pin down what the single artwork is, and this is more because it's the digital age now, and I know there were some physical copies but um, I, to me, we're no longer in the period where we can talk about the, the single cover with the same enthusiasm because 
the campaign just becomes such a, a, a bigger thing and, and in some ways a smaller thing. Um, the videos uh, for Living for Love, Ghost Town and Bitch and Madonna, of course, all stand out. And whilst I might not like all of the songs, um, you know, they, they are very strong visually. Um, particularly, uh, I'm going to go straight in with Bitch and Madonna because, of course, that was all based on a TV appearance that Madonna had done and then sort of remounted for the video. And I don't like the song very much, but I really, really love the video. Any thoughts on 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 that to add? I, yeah, um, I feel exactly the same. Um, I don't get the song. I don't understand it. But yeah, the, the video I love. Um, it, it It's a production nightmare that could have fallen apart. And I'm sure they did it multiple times. But to do a one take and for it to look seamless, there are cuts in it. When people walk past camera, it's like a hidden point. It's, yeah, yeah. it's really clever. You have to look for them, but it's not noticeable. It, it, and everyone that's in it, so it's genuinely exciting. It, I can see that it was, we talked about it before, being able to pass the baton over. So like having Katy Perry and like more like mainstream at that time artists, it's really nice to include them, but Overall, it's just so much fun. And then having uh, uh, kids in it as well is like, I always love it. It's really cute. Kids turn up, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, what I like about it is we sort of see Madonna relaxing into who she is a bit more. And she is able to, with, from what I can gather from interviews, the encouragement of some of the producers and writers she worked with, embrace the legacy that she has rather than always finding it uh, important to only look forward. And so, of course, on some of the tracks in the album, one in particular, she really references her career. But in this video too, you know, having other celebrities who tip their hat to the obvious trail they have, uh, she has pa- uh, blazed for them and um, having fun. She seems like she's really having fun, whether it's performance or not, I'm not sure, but I, I feel like there's a lot of joy in it and it's and it's nice to see. I love the video for Ghost Town as well. She looks like a sort of dystopian Stevie Nicks wandering around. Um, and this is, a, I think it's a Jonas Acklam one as well. Yeah. What, what I don't like about the video, because it's obviously high production value and it's almost like, you know, it's cinematic. And Jonas Ackland, of course, is incredibly talented. Is To me, it's just a little too dark. I think visually seeing on a screen, it's quite hard to see some of the details. And there are so many details because it's a whole set production. Um, That's the only thing I think that could, could have changed different lighting but um but i love that they put so much behind this the record and her put so much behind the promotion of these and of course living for love we we revisit the bullfighting theme that's beautiful i we, we won't talk about single cover because yes that is a rehash of the i think it's a, a slightly pink colorized version of the the wire photo again but yeah yeah the music the music video i it's it, it, it's lots of madonna things but they did find a fresh way of doing it and the the male um bull the the one that's actually in the bull mask like the moves and the choreography involved in that is just so beautiful and um the technique that they've graded it with they've um they've taken the blacks out reversed them and overlaid them back again so if you look there's a very like textural element in in the blues of it and it, it it's a subtle effect, but it makes it feel really different. The only complaint I have, the quote at the end is done in a font called Papyrus. Oh, Papyrus. No one should have signed that off. No. <laughs> <laughs> one, one step up from Comic Sans, really, isn't it? Yeah. 
I never got to see Rebel Heart tour live. I can't remember why, but for whatever reason, I never did. And I have tried to watch the released version, and I'm sorry, I find it utterly unwatchable. It is so heavily edited and filtered, um, like it's been done by a toddler on Tartrazine, or, uh, you know, it's just... Just it's just unwatchable. I, did either of you get to see the tour? Have I haven't seen the tour, and I actually haven't even seen the full DVD all the way through. So I am not qualified to comment. But I, part of the reason why I've not seen the whole thing is a similar experience to you: is having it so quick cut. You know, as we all agree, one of Madonna's strengths is her performance by itself, without mm. needing all of the overlays and the cuts. And and when it is a bit too to uh, sort of edited, mm. I find it a bit frustrating because I just want to see her perform. Although the audio album, I listen to that constantly because it's mm-hmm. got some amazing mm-hmm. versions of the song. So I can't, I can't relate visually to it. Like you say, it is a bit, maybe we're just too old. It's too much of an assault on the senses, but the actual musicality and what the actual live audio was, there's just real incredible moments that she's never done before. And it, it didn't feel like a, a greatest hits or a rehash. It really did feel like, I think we were getting to see more of what her vision for the project was. And we, we, we had that beautiful thing that like she established with blonde ambition where she zones things and you, you're taking on that journey again, but the DVD just doesn't do justice to that because you never get to pause or to, to buy into the world that she's creating. And it is a shame because we, we've, we've seen her do it so well, but I, th- I think it, 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 in, in another possibly live action director's hands, it could have been really, really phenomenal. Well, we've obviously been discussing what could be, uh, included in a re-release for the, you know, the anniversaries we know that Madonna's doing. And, and I think this would be a real opportunity to recut the video. I don't know if she would be up for that at all. You know, I think we're more likely to get unreleased songs from Like a Prayer than a recut Rebel Heart video, but I would love the opportunity to watch it clearly, um, as it was intended. Mm, what I'm really happy about with this end to that era, though, is that they, like you're saying, with the songs, obviously put a lot of thought and effort behind recreating these things. And I can imagine, um, you know, in the last episode, I was talking about this parallel universe, Madonna. And in my mind, there's another parallel universe where Madonna was so disheartened by the leaks and by all of the interruptions that happened around this that she sort of gives up on the project. And I'm glad that she followed through and that we did actually get to see, even if it's not the exact version she wanted with the double album, it still is a strong campaign from beginning through to the tour. I'm fascinated by the mind of Jonathan Daniel Price that thinks of these alternative universe Madonna's. Have you seen everything everywhere all at once? That yes, film? I have. Yes. <laughs> I think that's probably just sitting in my mind somewhere. <laughs> um, okay. Further reading and looking up and YouTubing, Jonathan? Yeah. So I have a few for you. So firstly, there is an, um, a, a photo shoot and interview that came out in Interview Magazine in 2014. So just before the album. And this again is shot by Merton Marcus. As we know, there are so many photo shoots with Madonna and Merton Marcus as collaborators around this time. And I actually prefer this shoot to what we got for the artwork, even though I think Mm -hmm. the artwork was very strong for the album, but it creatively and direction wise, it's more aligned with my personal aesthetic. So it's a lot softer. You get colored tones that are a bit softer. She's you know, colored with a lot of soft pinks and blues in the shadows. She's got this side part here, which has a soft wave to it. 
It's that photo shoot where she's wearing a green silk crepe dress and lilac stockings. And I think, you know, fashion wise, they've made some interesting decisions there. But also set wise, you've got this rustic crucifix and the snake wrapped around it. And I just think the lighting, the fact that it's a bit dark and artful, just really work well together. And I can imagine this aesthetic working quite well for the Rebel Heart theme as well. So that's definitely worth looking up. Also around this time, again, like I said, Merton Marcus shooting her for Versace. So that was shot in 2014 for the spring-summer 2015 campaign. All of them are in black and white in a studio, and it ended up running in multiple magazines, Vanity Fair, American, French, and Italian Vogue as a 12-page portfolio. So they really pushed this. And, you know, there's two things I love about this. One, that it's Madonna again in a campaign for Versace. You know, we saw her initially, the first one in 95 by Stephen Mizell. Mario Testino shoots her again. We've talked about it in some other episodes. And what is so uh, heartwarming is that we have a woman in her 50s who's a pop star. So typically, you know, society outcasts you by this point. And she's got a big brand seeing that she will still be sellable. She'll still front a campaign with strength. And coming off the back of another pop star, Lady Gaga, fronting their campaign the year before. So... All of these elements, I just think, really shows Madonna's strength. And the press around that time often quoted Donatella as calling Madonna unapologetic. And of course, in the album, we end up mm -hmm. getting a song with that in it. So, so I like all of those elements converging. The final thing I think to look up is on YouTube. It's a very short handheld mobile phone video from 2016, so just after the album. And it's from a Philips uh, e exhibition that Martin Marcus did in London. So you just type in Phillips, Martin Marcus, London 2016, Madonna, something like that. And it, someone is filming Madonna, being very playful, photographed in front of some of their photographs until the footage is very abruptly cut off by a security <laughs> guard saying, please give her some privacy. <laughs> Fantastic. Peter, have you got anything we need to absorb? Um, I, I would refer us back again to Giovanni Bianco's website because he really does collect his work beautifully. So all of the, the versions and the high res and everything that you, if you've only got one version, you can see everything on his website and I direct attention to, um, back to the typeface again. So one of Gianni, Giovanni Bianco's talents is that he's also an amazing typographer and a, a lot of the hand lettering was done like it would have been back in the day where he's actually painting the letters himself. So you can see a little bit of like how he, how he went into that on his um, Instagram page as well. But yeah, he's incredibly talented. So I'd definitely go and look at that. And then the other thing that I did sort of enjoy at the time and still hangs around a little bit, um, the creativity of the clip of the video when she fell off stage. Mm. Um, there are some quite amazing things done with that. <laughs> You're talking about <laughs> memes and stuff like that. No, cleverer than that, um, there's one where it's uh, an eternal, um, uh, it never stops. Oh, of so course, yeah, pe yeah. People have put an awful lot of creative <laughs> wealth and experience into it. So it, it, it goes past beyond, I, I quite enjoyed it because it goes past beyond, like, uh, to me, it isn't mockery if people are actually celebrating it and making new things out of it. So yeah, the, the, there's, there's two or three that I, 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 I can share that I was blown away by at the time. Thank you for that. Listen, before we wind up, guys, because of the way that we record these episodes, and I'm sure it's no surprise to to the listeners that we do some of them in advance, and etc. Um, the MDNA episode was largely recorded before we did our live experience in London. So I want to wind up 
today for everyone that's listening who who tuned in or better still actually turned up to the Royal Vauxhall Tavern in London back on 21st of May. Guys, we what what did you think? Did it was it what you expected to see those Madonna fans in real life and speak with them? It was everything and more for me. I really <laughs> didn't know how much energy, how interactive and how enthusiastic the crowd would be and everyone just came with their A game. They were ready to be present and have fun <laughs> and I I just I honestly was was astounded. I mean, people really love what you've created, Edward. And it was great to see so much love in the room, not just for Madonna, of course, but also the podcast, which got so many people through the past couple of years of COVID. It was so much fun. And there was a moment when, because the three of us had never met together. I'd met Peter <laughs> in person before. And obviously, you know, we've all done this many times, etc. But there was a moment where all three of us were dancing. I think it was like a prayer. I went and grabbed you from different corners of, of the, the club and we all dance and it was so wonderful I feel I know you so well just <laughs> through the interaction that we've had Peter you you loved it didn't you I did uh, it was really weird it a lot of the things that like I felt about my enjoyment of the podcast to hear people say that back to you about the little bit that you do for it so like I I, I don't think much of like the knowledge that I share is um that impactful, but it was just really nice to actually hear that people have a positive response to it. And I think it was like a credit to everyone there that it was just such a good environment. And it really was unlike anything that I've been to before, where there is either an edge or a nastiness or mm. it, it was really nice to be in a space where it was just positive. And mm. in 2022 in the UK, that is quite a rare feat. Mm-hmm. And how lucky were we to get Ian, the quiz winner, <laughs> who actually is probably better than the three of us put together on his Madonna knowledge. It was so, like an encyclopedia. It, I was, was, yeah. I mean, us three up there with our notes, and then he just, from the <laughs> top of them off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, and so incredible. lovely to meet Lucy and uh, Mark Andrews as well, and... Um, uh, Johnny California's uh, playlist. Now, if, if people have only listened to the episode, they wouldn't be aware. We had a four-hour Madonna disco afterwards. <laughs> Johnny is uh, a radio producer and a DJ. And um, if you want to get a link to his um, entire playlist, it's on Mixcloud. Search him uh, on Johnny California or uh, have a look at um, Inside the Groove social media because he's put it all together and it was so good. I love dancing with you. There's There's a video, actually, that I put up online of the end of Vogue going into the beginning of Deeper and Deeper. And when I looked the other day, that had 200,000 views um, <laughs> and quite a few quote t- tweets, um, some of which were even quite pleasant. <laughs> the, the other bit that we've not mentioned, I, I fell in love a little bit with Tom Aspel. Oh, Tom was I'd, fantastic. I'd only ever seen him visually, so I've never heard him interviewed and I hadn't sort of connected with his personality. But it just, it was so lovely to see somebody, he is just so comfortable in what he does. And so for someone like me, who's quite fragile about my gayness or mm-hmm. my femininity, it was just so lovely to see somebody inhabit that space and be awesome in it. So even like he only did two songs, but the little ad libs that he did between and uh, uh, when he was on stage chatting with us. Yeah, a little bit in love with Thomas Paul now. Mm, he's lovely. And he, he listens to the podcast, so he's probably swooning to hear you the, say that. The, the best moment. bit was that I had Black Country Disco on as we were driving up the M6 toll on the oh, way home, yeah. and it just felt perfect. 
Well, I've been listening to his new album, Life in Plastic, nonstop since it was released, with wonderful artwork shot by a certain JDP <laughs> of this podcast. Yes, exactly. I mean, I feel biased, of course, because Tom's a friend of mine. And like you said, I shot the artwork of his al- latest album. It just came out. But I mean, Black Country Disco, I listened to that on repeat and when he, it came out. He is such it. a huge Madonna fan. Like, he really wanted to do a version of Till Death Do Us Part, which, of course, is one of my favorite songs. But because I was doing the backing tracks, I was like, no, I can't do that song justice Tricky. at all. Yeah. So so the, if people missed out and they want to have a little bit of Tom Aspel and a bit of the both of you, um, and they are able to come to Cardiff on the 2nd of July, um, an artist called Dead Method, whose new album I have written and produced, and which Peter has made a video for, and Jonathan has taken the cover for that as well, he is doing a launch for that album, and Tom Aspel is performing at that. So here we are, cross-selling Madonna. Madonna would approve. We'd be quite the creative powerhouse if someone would pay us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe one day. <laughs> we can dream. <laughs> you've got to, you've got to, what is it? Speculate to accumulate. accumulate. Yeah, well, yeah. I've been doing rather a lot of speculation. <laughs> Listen, it was such a great event. And uh, how do you guys feel about doing it again? Oh, we have to. Oh, yeah. We have to do it again. We have to get all those men into a room to dance to Madonna once more because there's so many songs that Johnny didn't get to to play. We need to do that. Okay. So, guys, keep your diaries clear for Saturday, the 3rd of December, uh, and we'll do it all again. Um, And I will have details uh, very soon. Uh, But everybody is invited. We had 200 madonna fans in the room last time and there's no reason why we can't fill up the rvt with at least another 100 maybe 150 so uh yeah more details to follow guys thank you so much for well for everything if you do with the post podcast but you you've become friends as well it's lovely and i i hope that comes across when people listen to us chat about madonna well, I hope you've enjoyed hearing all about Rebel Heart. It's an album that I think is brilliant. I, I, re- I really think it's not given the kudos that it deserves. I'll be joining up again with Lucy, Jonathan and Peter very shortly to give you the story about Madame X, Madonna's most recent studio album to date, and that will be the final episode in the current series. Now, if you want to hear that before anybody else, you need to become a patron. And by being a patron, you're also showing your support to this podcast. And to me, I guess, it's very much appreciated. It doesn't really cost much at all. Uh, I think $3 and you get all the episodes in advance. So it's probably you know worth considering. Just go to the website at insidethegroove.co.uk. There's also a link to our shop, another way to show support. And also, I've just put up a link to Johnny California's wonderful playlist from our live event. So I'm off to find my eye patch so that I can immerse myself in Madame X. I look forward to speaking to you very soon on Inside the Groove. Bye. Bye.